0: Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning service with Pastor David Tijerina. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at Again, we hope you enjoy this message. We are entering the Easter season. And so I want to prepare us for the Easter season. I was uh, just looking over this month, and, and I'm, I'm not really sure when Easter converted to bunnies and eggs, okay? When you begin to read about Easter Sunday, I have no, honestly, you look back, where did the bunny come from? Where did the Easter eggs come from? You know, it's a, I, I know it's a, a pagan holiday in, in, in the old days, and who knows what they did with those things, but We we we're so distracted and we forget. We really forget what Jesus did at Calvary's cross. And I I really feel even Christians, you Christians, have forgotten about the blood. Because it's nothing. It's not about anything else. Uh, No Easter egg, honey. No none of this stuff. It's all about the blood. And I want to minister this morning, uh, nothing but the blood. And uh, I really want to get an understanding as we're going into this uh, Easter season, uh, what it really represents. And I want to look back in the Old Testament and tie it in together with the New Testament uh, so you can see the value of the blood and the value it is to God. And so we read in Leviticus seventeen eleven, 11, it says, For the life of the flesh... Is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your souls and so the life of the sacrifice atones for the life of the offer so it's, it's important that you and I this morning learn some foundational truths from the Word of God it's important that you and I understand the Old Testament and the New Testament in reference to the blood. It's important that we recognize the place these truths occupy in revelation or actually in the heart of God. How many know that there is power in the blood of Jesus? Praise God. Don't get too excited. That's what I'm saying. As we get excited about the Easter egg bunny, the... the, the, the the Easter egg hunts and stuff like that. But I want to tell you, there's power in the blood of Jesus. Oh, yeah. And as you begin to see and you begin to read the Bible, you begin to see that the first act of worship came from Abel uh, that sacrificed uh, the blood offering to God in the book of Genesis. And as a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews references back to that. Uh, Hebrews 11, 4 says, by Abel, by faith Abel, Offer to God a more excellent sacrifice. And so this offering pleased God, this sacrificial blood. And as you begin to read the Old Testament, you, you begin to realize that no man could approach God because of our sins. There was no fellowship with Him by faith. You have a lot of faith, but you still could not... Approach God, there was no enjoyment of his favor apart from the blood. It's important that you and I understand that concept this morning. After the flood, as Noah starts to exit the ark... The first thing he does in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. So here's a, a new beginning, but not without blood. Everybody get that? We see a step further with Abraham, that God blesses Abraham with his son Isaac. And Abraham loved his son Isaac. Abraham would do anything, give anything for his son Isaac. And and God sees this and and he says, Abraham, I want to see your faith. I want to see your devotion. I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. So the Bible says that (coughs) Abraham takes Isaac up to Mount Moriah and he is ready to sacrifice. And we pick it up in Genesis 22, verse 11. and April, I'm sorry, in verse 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket uh, by his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up uh, for a burnt offering instead of his son. So as you begin to read this story, you begin to realize uh, that this is our first great lesson of substitution. There had to be a blood sacrifice. And instead of God allowing Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, God provided a sacrificial lamb. What the blood accomplished at Mount Moriah for one person must now be experienced for a whole nation. As we move on, we come to the children of Israel as God is delivering them from Egypt. We see plague after plague after plague coming on Egypt and the Egyptians. And God tells Moses, here's the final one. I'm going to kill the firstborn of every living creature, every living human. He said, but I'm going to spare Israel. And the only way that you can be spared would be by the sprinkling of the blood on the door frames and the lintel by the blood of the lamb. And we take this up in Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. And Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And as you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. And so here is God speaking to Moses. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the people were being taught that, that life can only be obtained by the death of a substitute. Life was possible only through the blood of a life given in their place and appropriated by the sprinkling of the blood on the doorpost. So life was only possible by the sprinkling of the blood. Then we come To the blood covenant in Exodus chapter 24. And in Exodus 24 it it talks about that, that without blood there could be no access to God. And as you begin to read about the covenant it was sprinkled first on the altar then on the book of the covenant. Then on the people themselves uh, with a declaration in verse 8, and it's not up there, but this is the blood of the covenant. So God was making a covenant uh, with man. And the writer of Hebrews takes it up again in Hebrews 9 7, but into the second part, uh, he's talking about the Holy of Holies. The high priest went only once a year not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in in ignorance. And then in verse 8, the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. And so he's saying that we did not have access yet to the holy of holies. As you begin to read this summary, it went from redemption by shedding to sprinkling on the doorpost to sprinkling on the people themselves. So as you read this, the contact became closer and the application became more powerful. As you begin to read the Bible, you find that for everything, the blood is the one thing that is needful. That the only way to fellowship with God is through the blood of loan. It didn't matter how good I thought I was. It didn't matter what things I was involved in the, in the church. It was the blood and the blood alone Amen. that allowed me to have any type of fellowship with God. Amen. God And his love for you and I wanted to give us access so that we can have a closer relationship with him. So there had to be a fulfillment of this covenant uh, once and for all. You know how much of a hassle it would be to go sacrifice a lamb and birds every every doggone time we (laughs) sinned? I'd be broke. (laughs) But God wanted to fulfill this. There had to be a fulfillment of that covenant. And so as he's in heaven looking down at his children, uh, he looks at his one son and says, uh, would you die for them? Would you offer your life, a living sacrifice for them? And his son agreed. In John chapter 1, verse 29, here's John getting ready to baptize uh, Jesus. uh, And he sees Jesus coming towards him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he talks about the one who will baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so the outpouring of the blood of the Lamb of God must take place first before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit could come. And so Jesus had to ascend into heaven before the Holy Spirit could descend down into earth and be with us. Only when all that the Old Testament taught about the blood had been satisfied can the dispensation of the Spirit begin. So Jesus became the final blood sacrifice for our redemption. In Hebrews 9.22, the Bible says, In fact, The law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. How many know that's a tough scripture? That without the blood, there was no forgiveness. And so Jesus had to come down and give his life, a a ransom for many. He, He came to live the perfect life, a perfect example. Died blameless on the cross so that we can have his blood wash our sins away. This was his purpose. This was his life. This was his destiny. While he was walking here on earth, uh, Jesus spoke and said in, in John six thirty five. he goes, I am the bread of life. He says, I'm the one that feeds you. He says, I'm the one that's gonna give you life. I'm the one that's gonna give you life and a life more abundantly. He goes, there's no other way As a matter of fact, he made even a bolder statement. He goes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no man comes to the Father except by me. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. The Bible says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He says, that's my purpose. He goes, I didn't come to be served. He says, I came to serve. He says, I came to willingly lay my life down for you. Four times in the Gospels, he mentions, it's not up there, but I want you to listen. Four times he mentions, except you drink my blood, you have no life in you. He that drinketh my blood has everlasting life. He says, my blood is drink indeed, and he that drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. See the blood he shed was first given for and then given to us it was shed for us and then given to us in hebrews 9:12 by his own blood he entered into the most holy place once and for all having obtained eternal redemption he says, I went on into the covenant, the, the, uh, the Holy of Holies. I laid my blood down on the covenant. The price has been paid. The blood also in Hebrews 10, 19 gives us the boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So we need to understand this this morning. I mean, no, God doesn't live in temples anymore built of stone. My friend of mine was sharing, he, he was sharing a video. Is, is he's just giving an, uh, uh, an analogy when, uh, when Jesus was crucified, when, when he gave up the ghost, the Bible says that the veil that separated the, the Holy of Holies from everything else, uh, that that veil was torn in half. So as you begin to read Jewish history, the Bible says that, at, I'm sorry, not the Bible, the, the Jewish historians So now, I mean, no, the Jewish historians are not going to give any credit to Jesus, but they wrote this down, not knowing what that that Jesus was was dying on the cross, or when he gave up the ghost. But they said at the same time that the veil broke, and this is in, in, in Jewish history that the doors in the tabernacle opened up. The veil rips; the doors open. And what he's saying, what what my friend was saying is, it's the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God coming out of the temple to dwell into the people of God. That you don't have to go into the temple anymore. We don't have to go into that place. Oh God, what temple can I serve God? No, the Bible says you and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He says that blood... Allows us as we're cleansed with the blood, the Holy Spirit, to come into our lives and be part of our lives. In Hebrews 13:12, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate. In Hebrews 13:20, God brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So this is not a one-time thing. He goes, this, this, Jesus paid it all right here and he fulfilled the covenant that his blood would redeem you and I. See, the Holy Spirit teaches us that the blood is really the central power of our entire Redemption. That that quote, not without blood, can be taken from the Old Testament and also applied into the New Testament as Jesus fulfills the covenant. And we see in the book of Revelation, the, the final book of the Bible, here is heaven. And John, as he begins to see this vision in Revelation 5, 6, John says, I saw a lamb as it had been slain. And he's the one that's fulfilling everything in heaven for our redemption. And verses 8 and 9 paraphrase says, Thou art worthy. These are the elders uh, uh, singing out to Jesus for thou hast slain, thou has been slain and has redeemed us to God by the blood. More powerful than the Easter bunny, isn't it? It's the blood. I want to secondly move on to the value of the blood. Omar Jr., just a couple of Wednesdays ago, powerful sermon. just go back and, and, and watch it through Facebook Live, but uh, uh, he was talking about Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. How many know that? You can say that and, and, and it's done. He paid it all. There's nothing that we can't work for our salvation. We can't do anything. He's done it all. But if I want the full value of what everything that God has for us, I have a part. I have a part. See, God provides the substitute. Right? Y'all with me? But we have to bring the sacrifice. Did everybody get that? God provides the substitute, but we have to bring a sacrifice. And how many know the sacrifice is your life? There would have been no ram if Abraham wouldn't have obeyed God and brought his son Isaac to Mount Moriah for the sacrifice. When he made that commitment to God and brought his son as a sacrifice, God says, Stop. And here's the substitute. So when we come to Christ, he's paid it all, but we put it on. And when we put it on, we're saying, God, I am the sacrifice. Let the blood of Jesus wash me. So, whoa, 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 Pastor, what do you mean by that? Let's look at Galatians 2.20. Here's Paul saying, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. He's saying, I am living. I am crucified with Christ. This is no longer my life. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, some Bible uh, uh, churches preach, it, you know, just do anything you want. It's fine. We're under the blood. No, no, no. Paul's saying, you know what? Uh, I'm crucified with Christ. Yeah. I said, I have to bring the sacrifice. God provides the substitute. Uh, but somewhere along the lines, uh, I have to be willing to accept uh, that sacrifice or that substitute. Yeah. I can't live my life the way I was living it. There has to be change, and that change only comes by the blood of Jesus. Well, Pastor, I don't know. I don't know if I'm with you. It's okay. You don't have to be with me. That's why I put a lot of scripture in this. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I mean, no, he wants you to pay attention to this. I beseech you, listen to this, he says. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living, what? Yeah. Sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service. Uh, he goes, I'm going to give you life and that life more abundantly, but you have to provide the sacrifice. You all with me? Amen. Oh, Pastor, can you just preach something that's going to make me feel good? This should make you feel good because I'm going to tell you, it's going to deliver you in just a second. God provides a substitute, but we have to bring the sacrifice. It's us. My life becomes a sacrifice. It's no longer living the way I want to. I want to tell you, there's a lot of sins that I'd rather go out and do. How many know it's easier sinning than living for God? You don't have to write a book uh, uh, uh sinning for idiots. How many know we all know how to sin? We all know how to be, we could be bad. But God says, I don't want that. I want you to live your life the way I have called you. Can I tell you, the Christian victory is a victory of dependence and of obedience. It's dependent upon Jesus who gave his life for me and dependence on my obedience to his word. It is keeping His commandments. It is keeping His His word that allows me to be able to pull through with whatever I'm going through. So here's your aid this morning. I want to talk about overcoming sin. In Revelations chapter 12, verse 11, the Bible says, And they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Here is talking about Christians that, that, that had overcome the accusations of the devil. He's talking about the Christians that overcame and, and were martyred or persecuted for the name of Jesus. And, and God here is giving us an example of how they were able to make it. They made it through the blood. And by the power of their testimony. It shows us that victory comes through the blood of the Lamb. He says victory comes through the blood of Jesus. That no matter what you're going through, the blood can cover it all. See, you and I this morning are overcomers. He calls you and I overcomers. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Uh, Can I tell you something, church? The devil has been defeated. You simply have to believe that. You have to have faith in that. You have to have faith that God has redeemed you and has covered all your sins. But how many know that's a battle? That's where the battle comes. This is where the struggle comes. I was reading. How many of all criminals are dumb? (laughs) Except for the good ones that don't get caught. But I was reading about criminals. And you know how many people get caught? How many criminals get caught for murder because they buried the body in the backyard? I'm like, "What the heck?" He said, "Why would you bury the body in your backyard?" It's just, just me It just blows my mind. I committed a crime and I'm going to put the evidence in my backyard. And then, or, or how many times uh, they, they, they bury uh, their drugs in the backyard or their weapons in the backyard or all kinds of stuff. You, you'd be surprised. Re- research that, how much stuff is found in the backyard of people's houses. And so I was reading about this particular one. It happened in, in Central Cali- uh, California. And what happened was, is the, the neighbor was mowing the lawn, and he happened, you know those nosy neighbors? And so he's looking over, and over by the rose bush, he sees something. He looks over, and it's a big toe. <laughs> it was sticking out from the ground. And so the guy, you know, he calls the cops, and the cops come, and they find out that there's a buried body in the guy's backyard. And so they end up arresting him for murder because he had the body buried in the backyard. I believe that there's people here this morning that you have buried things in your backyard. That if you were to look in your backyard, in that corner, you had that one failure. Under the bush over here, you had that shame. Over by this this side of the yard, you have the, that, that adultery or that, or that fornication or or, or or that drug addiction. And you look a little bit further. Out sticking from the ground is that lie, or that time that you let somebody down. See, when we begin to look at people's backyards. I mean, no, that all of us have some junk back there. but here's the problem. A lot of Christians come to church with all that stuff still in their backyard. Did they ask Jesus to forgive them? Absolutely. Are they forgiven? Yes, totally. But you ask people, and they can lead you right to the exact spot where they buried it Or they hid it. There's people sitting here right now. You feel you still feel the shame or the weight of sin because the devil continually exposes your past. Begins to unbury it. Begins to dig it up. How many know we're good at digging up the past? And it stops us from moving forward to all that God has for our lives because of the lies and the weight of guilt and shame. See, Adam tried to hide his sin, Cain tried to hide his murder, David tried to hide his adultery and his murder. Listen, we've all received the gift of forgiveness. But most don't understand the power of the blood of Jesus. So what they do is they try to pay for their buried stuff uh, by works. Wow. That's good. If I'm a better person. Or if I can be more involved. And so they begin to try to work. And, and what happens, listen to me, they begin to wear themselves out. Yeah. Because you're trying to pay for something that you can never pay on your own. It's already been paid for. There's all these buried sins. Ask them, are you forgiven? They'll say yes. But we begin to point things out. See, church, the blood, the precious blood of Jesus has the power to take buried things and take away their voice. That's a good place to say amen. Amen. See, the power in the blood has the power to take away that voice that is tormenting you and haunting you. It's receiving, it's understanding, and it's applying the blood of Jesus in your life. See, God loves you. And our love for God begins to grow more and more and it comes from our buried things being made powerless. You don't have a hold of me no more. Can I tell you something? Listen to me very closely, church. God doesn't want you to bury things. God wants you to apply the cross to it. Hey, man, man, I don't know what's going on here now. I thought that was good. Listen to me. God, how do we know we're good at burying things? God says, I don't want you to bury it. I want you to expose it and put it under the blood of Jesus. It's applying it. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When something is trying to make you feel unworthy and shameful, you need to grab it, you need to take It down and you apply the blood of Jesus. When I can't seem to overcome that stronghold, that sin, you can say, You know what, devil? You know what? I'm under the blood of Jesus. You're not going to shame me anymore. That weakness, that temptation, that secret sin, God, I am exposing it right now. I'm covering it in the blood of Jesus. You know, I think, you know, I don't have this in the first service, but think about this. I I wonder if that's why he says, confess your sins one to another. I need to find someone that I'm confident in that's not going to go, oh, guess what? I just found out. Shame on you. May God forgive you if you're that type of person. Listen, when someone comes and opens up, hey, I am dealing with this issue. Expose, you're exposing it. The light is hitting. Whoa, it's bright. It's light. it's light. It's hitting it. It's exposing it. Now, together, we can agree and apply the blood to that sin. Oh, my God. That's why the Bible says, when you agree, I'm touching. I it's, am it's, confessing. bro. would you agree for me? Yes, I'm weakened as a, I don't have to run. Pastor, guess what? I just found out. No, I'm trusting in you. Yeah. I'm trusting in you. I'm doing what the Bible says. I don't need a priest to go confess to, but I need my brother, one a brother or sister. Who are you close to that you can confide in? Help me pull down this stronghold. Let's expose it right now. See, somewhere along, My Christian walk, I need to believe what John said in 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, the battle's in your mind. Mm. Lies from hell that try to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. You need to grab that lie and say, Devil, you know what? One, you're a liar. You know the problem is, you know, the people of God just don't read the word. People need to read so that you can have some ammunition against the devil. You need to be able to apply the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword to the application of your heart, your life. So when the devil... <coughs> Begins to try to bring you down. You declare the word of God over him. He says, you know what? I've already exposed it, and I've already applied the blood of Jesus to that area. Last, the blood. Lies, the blood. Shortcomings, the blood. I begin to apply the blood of Jesus. It's the blood, and only the blood that's going to help us make it through this struggle. In Hebrews nine fourteen, how much more? will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish of, to God, purifying our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hallelujah. Oh, you can apply the blood to your conscience and say, God, I used to think sin was all this, but I want to tell you, it's just wearing me down. God, will you purge my conscience and apply the blood of Jesus when He tries to remind you of your past? I want to tell you, you need to rise up, be bold, and remind Him of His future. Yeah. See, when you, 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 know what, you know what makes us as Christians our lives easier? We have the Bible, we have the manual, we have the playbook. We know what's going to happen. We are already know we're victorious. So if you, how many know you're victorious? Yeah. So if we're all victorious, why do we still struggle? Yeah. Because we're not applying the blood. We're not applying the blood to those areas of our lives. Uh, when he tries to point something in your backyard, uh, tell him I've already applied the, the blood of Jesus. Uh, God wants you to apply it in Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together. How many of you know that's powerful? God said, Come here, let's talk about this, son. Let's talk about this, daughter. Why are you continually struggling with the same old issue? Isn't that what he's saying? I've told my kids that. Why are you keep doing that? He says, Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. See, one of the things that the devil loves to do is make Christians feel so unworthy. I'm not worthy of salvation. I'm not worthy of forgiveness. I'm not worthy of a good life. And can I tell you something? I, I, I'm, I'm I'm repenting right now. I'm guilty of preaching stuff like that. I'm I'm guilty of preaching, and a lot of preachers that that I'm not worthy of salvation. I'm not. How many ever heard that? Oh, we're not. We're we're not worthy of salvation. But can I tell you something? You are worthy. You are worthy. Yes, my sin. My sin is unworthy of the presence of God. But how many know God's love makes me worthy to receive salvation? God loves you so much that he says you're worthy. You are worthy of his son's sacrifice. So that you could have life uh, and that life more abundantly. He said, there's no other way. So when someone tells, oh, you're so unworthy, no, 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 no. I am worthy. God loves me. He died on Calvary. He sent his son to die on Calvary's cross for my sin. I am worthy. There's nothing I can do. Like little Omar said, little Omar. Omar Jr. said, uh, 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 he paid it all. He done it all. I am. He, that makes me worthy. Quit saying you're not worthy. Quit falling for that lie. And how many know the devil will take that lie and multiply it and make it feel shameful and guilty, but now it has been exposed. And now we can apply the blood of Jesus and say, God, I am you by your love. I am worthy. It's the prodigal son. Goes out and spends all that he had. Comes back. And in his mind, listen, listen, church, listen, this is vital. He's in the pig pen. And in the pig pen, he's already working out what he's going to say to God. I'm going to go back and say, you know what? I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. How many of us are like that, that we begin to work out these things in our mind? Oh, how unworthy I am. Oh, did you all miss that? See, he's having a mind battle, isn't he? He's in the pig's side. He's wasted everything. And his mind is just battling right now. I'm so unworthy. I'm so unworthy. And because I'm so unworthy, my father's going to take me back. But the Bible says that while he was still far off, that his father came and hugged him and took the coat and put it on him, took his ring off and put the ring back on him and said, son, you're worthy. Why? Because you're my son. You're my daughter. You belong to me. I I, I paid the price for your life. You need to receive that. For God so loved the world. Maybe you're here this morning and you're backslidden. God loves you. He tells us in Isaiah 44:22, I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins return to me for I have redeemed you. Yes. See, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Amen. And I want to tell you church, you're struggling here tonight. There, there's some things that are going on in your mind. There's some battles or or some shame and, or some guilt. Whatever it may be. I don't care what it is. Listen to me. We need to come up. Uh, if I can have the, the, the musicians come up. We, we need to come up to the altar right now and say, you know what? I was once blind, but now I see. Was lost, but now I'm found. The blood of Jesus has redeemed me. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me. All things are passed away. He said, behold, all things... Will become new. You have a new start, a fresh start. Don't walk out of here the same this morning, but begin to expose things and apply the blood so that you can have a life and that life more abundantly. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.